0: Magic Without Fears, hermetic podcast. I'm your host, Frater RC. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. That's the... Why do I always hit record mid-sentence? I'm like talking to the person <laughs> and, and and then I pause in the sentence, hit record, and realize, wait, what did I just do? But yes, of course... <laughs> <laughs> your your new website looks great. Welcome back, Anima Noira, to Magic Without Fears, the Hermetic Podcast. You know who I am. Good to see you.
1: Hey, I'm glad to be here.
0: What were we talking about? Yes, you the higher self. The higher self you said. Something you something good.
1: The higher self tends to guide us, you know, it tends to be acting as if from the future, often. You know, that's kind of how events in my life have often seemed foreplanned with forethought, like there is intelligent design behind it. And, you know, I caught glimpses of myself acting from future timelines, where I actually possess that technology. Also from the past, ancient past, where I, you know, appeared to have those powers. So I was like, yeah, that explains my why my life is a constant tailspin. Because like all these future selves and past selves and alien agents, they're all worrying over this very timeline. And that's why I've been having one Mandela effect after another, like dozens of times in the recent past. Never seen anything like that in my life just minutes ago i had another one i remembered a message that doesn't exist on this timeline otherwise it would be in my messenger history but i remember reading it you know and i even remember what i thought to respond to it and then i opened the conversation with my students and it's no longer there and i'm like well you know i should tell him probably because it concerns him even if it turns out to be just my subjective reality but since in that conversation, he expressed his decision to take up the oath of the abbess, I should tell him
0: So yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. Of course, like it's 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 one of those things that keep has kept me so focused on the mysteries throughout my life, seeing things unfold that just don't you know that I don't make sense, because how can this unfold exactly the way I dreamed it ten years ago? It makes no sense. and you know. it it, if it happens with such frequency as it tends to if you're paying attention you want answers and no one is even willing to ask the questions at least not in the fields of study that could give us perhaps concrete answers and i do believe there's concrete answers because i don't think we live in a natural supernatural world as you know i i'm more of a naturalist i think it's all part of nature it's all one it's all god and uh, but there seems to be, and as an intelligence, this is something I always wrestle with: is is the spirit is spirit an intelligence? You know, spirits can be intelligences for sure. We talk, we even call them intelligences. But is the spirit an intelligence? If there is one spirit of all nature, is an intelligent spirit, or does it exist or Is it or when we say intelligence, are we talking about a kind of intelligence that just operates so differently it doesn't? qualify as a mundane intelligence in the way, for example, our brains do or we do.
1: I don't think it qualifies as a mundane intelligence in any way. I mean, I can push myself closer to that um, higher level insight only through the use of psychedelics. Um, But then you come down from those trips and you're like, "Okay, well, we are all one. I just saw it. So like, what's the meaning of getting out of the bed in the morning? You know, (laughs) these these higher mystical insights are wonderful and they can fix your, you know, the ways that you are, you have your own head up in your ass, you know, your blind spot, but they are also far from our natural perspective for a reason, because these insights are, they appear to be like less useful, you know, for us um, in the lives that we live. There was a conversation that I had with Lucifer when I was coming off of the trip. And he said, you know, the reason why experiencing all these emotions and seeing these perspectives, which are repressed, they are on the outskirts of your regular consciousness. Well, they are there for a reason because they are less useful to you.
0: Mm.
1: So you come here to visit them, to broaden your consciousness, you know, a state of heightened consciousness, it's called, or like broad awareness But it's also, you know, if you were in that super broad awareness where all is one, you know, then I guess, like, what's the point of playing the game and reincarnating and stuff? And I want to play the game. Like, I like it here, you know, I don't want to stay there. I don't want to go back to one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I yeah, so there does seem especially of course in psychedelic states it's very easy to experience that all is one connectedness and you it's even easy to have some understanding of how like pluralistic realities could operate in unity uh crossing having crossed that abyss of of dichotomy and paradox being something that you know is 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 transcendable metaphysically from yes. this realm right here we're stuck in aristotelian land of of non-contradiction, right? If something contradicts this, then this isn't true. That's just how it has to be here. Um, if, if you, if you sort of, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah no, no, I get it. I mean, in, in my
1: ordinary self, you know, I conceive of reality in this primitive way. Like it's, it's me, that spirits—they are above me. I need to petition them to get shit, or like they're playing me, they're bullies. <laughs> you know, it, it's a very simplistic medieval kind of perspective that we hold in demonology. And then when you go into those states, the Luciferian God mind enters me and we are actually one. And then it speaks to me by embodying like an ex or an ideal lover. And you know, and I communicate with him from the position of the subject. Um and then it's just like everywhere. And you know, in that state, you can even cycle through these perspectives, just like in some dreams. You know, you can either see from a bird's perspective you're experiencing the dream as an observer who is kind of omnipresent, or you can shift through different characters and you identify more with certain persons in that dream. Um, so in psychedelic state, you can even like do that intentionally or semi-intentionally. Uh, so it definitely helps to snap out of... Uh, the ego but then you know you ultimately come back to yourself and here you are and you need to work and pay the rent and interact with uh the government and with other people so uh, you know what good is it to see that we are all one right like you need to pick a character and play it still
0: you got to play the game yeah and and if there is uh if our higher selves or or divine genius or whatever has a plan for us we just don't in this body in this mind don't as you know get the memos necessarily and so we're we get to have this adventure of wandering through the darkness and uh seeking the light um Absolutely.
1: which you and know I,
0: of course is and a different and light I visions,
1: for... you know very particular very visions about this where i am basically seeing that i'm a tourist who signed up for a pathworking of hell the classical dante's inferno And as I am leaving the Ring of Pride, the deepest horrible place to be, I spot that I have this guide in a hood like the Hermit figure from the Tarot. And it's Lucifer himself, obviously, and he holds this lantern. And I'm like, wow, so this is what's going on, right? So I think we all signed up for a particular tourist experience so to speak and that's why we appear to be making our way through the dark and yet we you know we always get the signs like we are never like stuck in the dark without any message without any guidance the the light bringer is always there
0: yeah it's the hermit not lucifer just kidding (laughs) the uh, the the hermit of course very much is a pythagorean figure in the tarot and and one of the things that interests me about talking to you cuz this is our round 2 and of course you are you're in the top 10 most popular episodes ever i think you might even uh, have be in the top 3 right now and and you know it, it, that sort of stuff is definitely part of the game eh you know and that's, that's interesting because, because of, i it remember, is interesting
1: so in the previous reality that apparently also doesn't exist anymore you told me just a few weeks ago that my episode has absolutely tanked and now you're telling me that it's trending so wow well that's interesting who switched off those two realities
0: yeah no it's it it's it climbed up steadily and it's in the i think it's still probably in the top (laughs) yeah i think uh I think, uh, I think part of it is, of course, the popularity of the work you do on your own, of course. Um, and, uh, I mean, and the other part of it, I think, is probably that people were interested to hear, see, hear someone who's like, you know, overtly Christian, right hand path kind of person talking to someone like yourself, who's, uh, you know, you are who you are. You need no introduction, I think, at this point. And of course, people can go check out your work for themselves and your new website's awesome. We'll talk about that more in a bit. But I want to come back to what you mentioned about uh, Dante, and this was one of the things uh, you said you wanted to talk about on this. So I looked at an article on your site about uh, about it, and uh, there was the, the, I think it was a recent one. But yeah, the, the idea of this world being heaven and hell, of Lucifer as the light bringer being, like, you know, some people want to see these characters as interchangeable, like, oh, you could worship Lucifer, but it's the same thing as Jesus from a certain perspective, right? Same thing as Pythagoras from another perspective. But we don't, of course, want to conflate them all together because that doesn't really work out in any way, not intellectually, not spiritually. Maybe it makes sense above the abyss. Maybe it all makes sense in the divine white brilliance of, of Ensof or Keter. But down here in the muckymuck, there's a difference. <laughs> I, I, lo-
1: I love the insult that occultists used to refer to the mundane, the profane or Malkuthian
0: Oh, it wasn't meant to be an insult. It was meant to be a, a I, when I say mucky muck, I mean like that's the beauty of this world is the mud, is the dirt, it's the earth, it's the plants. The, the corporality is what's so, so special. I mean, looking at it even from a very parochial tree of life point of view, the idea of the 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 rapidly spinning point slowing down into matter to express God's glory in even greater form uh, as as impermanent as it is. I mean, what a, what a. Mind-blowingly beautiful concept. If you were just to share that with someone who'd never heard it before, out there in the wilds of the world, right? What a powerful idea! Is is the dump truck so loud that you can hear it? Is it dominant? Should we pause for a second? I've been told in okay. the past that actually, you, you some people can't even hear those sort of sounds.
1: No, I'm fine. Okay. It's so funny that you refer to this industrial humming sound because that's how samael manifests to me and it now appears on every single phone call that i have with everyone Hmm. that industrial humming sound it has different origins but it's always there you're the third person that i'm talking to today where it's appearing
0: well it's 420 that's when they come to do the garbage apparently 421
1: Yes, Um, you know, I have invited Samael to do the garbage in in my life. That's kind of what he's known for, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. You know, one of the interesting things about Samael that uh, escaped a lot of modern magical books uh, due to lack of information is the... There's sort of been a bias in a lot of circles, especially some of the Golden Dawn worlds, about uh, Samael being listed as a clipo. Right as a demon and uh, an evil force, a, the liar, the liar, right? Samuel, the liar. But then, you know, with the resurgence of older of of missing golden dawn literature through people like Zaleski and, and and others, we discovered that the role of the Hyrus in the in the Neophyte Temple as Horus changes throughout the initiations, and is sometimes even Sam Samuel, Samuel I believe. So. That just sort of throws the idea of this being a dark, claphotic force right out the window in that realm. In the further in the realm well, of uh, in, cool in my personal and noses,
1: and, in my personal noses, and this fits some older, you know, Talmudic lore. He is said to be the one who planted the tree of knowledge to or- who orchestrated the fall of man. Lucifer was just the talking snake. Samael came riding the snake, so he was like using you know, this other spirit or this this medium to enact his own design, his own plan and that's kind of where my personal gnosis goes. Like, he is here for the big shit. So I would totally see him as the one who perpetrates, who starts the higher initiations. That's kind of where I find myself to be now, having abandoned low magic completely. Spellwork or you know, manifestation and and yet the reality seems to be shifting like so fast, you know, all these mandala effects. So it is like being torn away from your surroundings, even from your body. And, you know, it's this, this rising, it's like being taken with an elevator, but it's like a force of nature. He doesn't even appear to me in a humane, humanoid form, but like a hurricane like a sound of the airplane landing something massive something non-human and kind of majestic
0: beautiful beautiful yeah well with the uh i mean i mean samuel really is just a from i guess a a grimoire point of view an angel of mars in some ways and or an archangel of mars um you know and often equally even
1: he was That's equated with, with Nergal, the, the Lord of the underworld, who was, you know, the spirit of Mars in, in those um Near Eastern cultures. But he has so many titles. I recently looked it up, and he's you know called the Angel of Iniquity, he's the angel of death. Then he becomes the lord of the shaitans, like the leader of like, all the Satans, the, the grand, the arch Satan. And in this capacity, he is addressed as the king of hell or the duke of hell, you know, in some alleged medieval sources. So, yeah, yeah, I guess you could perceive him as a lot of different characters. There definitely seems to be tension among the practitioners, whether he is an angel or demon or both. And there around. seems to be some sort of agreement that he, Lucifer and Shemiaza in particular, would be considered both, like they actually retain both forms. I have definitely communicated with Samaya the demon, the Duke of Hell, the Archangel of Mars, but then with something that was like beyond, that was just magnificent and ancient, and it seemed to predate Hell itself or like the presence of Lucifer. So that would, you know, I, and I think you can perceive these spirits on the level where you want to or where you're ready to and they kind of tell me this all the time like okay look you can do the parlor tricks you can take another pact with Samael the demon that you have finished you know a decade ago you gained the stuff that you asked for you paid the price for it but you don't necessarily want that again like you want the higher mysteries so why don't you drop your conceptions of my grimoire self or even me as the archangel of Mars and just experience me as the dark joy of life itself?
0: How, how, how does, in your mind, um, as you say, turning away from, say, lower magic, uh, focusing on higher magic, how does that connect with the idea of, as you said, Earth Are this world being hell? So I'm sort of curious how you see those. How do you navigate those two maps and how you parse them metaphysically?
1: I think the big thing happens in the gate of Tifereth, the Black Sun. The union with the Black Sun is what I've been seeking for a while. And I've had visions, mystical experiences that seem to confirm this. I had this black sun form in my second and third chakra, and then it started expanding and and rising within me. So I think that's where I would put it, like, on the tree of knowledge. Um, But really like speaking in mundane terms, it's when you become pissed off at trying to abuse magic to cause external change, to sway the circumstances in your life or the people or just to gain something for yourself or soothe something, avert something. When you, when you get profoundly disgusted of trying to use magic for all those means, that's kind of where the high magic gate opens because before you reach that step and everybody needs to get there on their own like you're not rising you know you're just filling some hole in yourself some some ego and you know I I don't think that necessarily all those who claim to be on the path of mysteries the high magic are actually on it you know that they might be fulfilling their vanity or, you know or being lost in some other ring of hell. <laughs> not knowing it that's the whole joke about hell that is told in the old paintings those people don't know that they're there they're just like you know lounging having fun not realizing is in a cauldron that is surrounded by the devils who are having a lot of fun manipulating their little matrix so until you wake up and actually leave you know you're playing a game and you don't realize that and you can be the most potent magician the most self-actualized magister templi, and you're stuck in some cauldron in you know the ring of pride in the department of vanity
0: well you definitely are if you're calling yourself a magister templi. <laughs> i would say um though that's coming from someone out of a system that has that that has those grades um though of course you know I I don't know who who still cares about grades and titles at this point. I mean, you know, it was it was sort of a thing. It seemed to me when uh, when we knew less. You know, there, I think like during this, I, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, during the the times when we had all these more rigid systems and structures coming together over the last you know hundreds of years. Like let's say let's take from monasticism up through the Golden Dawn and OTO and Crowley's orders, right, and and all the 20th century orders they all have they had all these elaborate grade structures to to develop and and point out accomplishment but also knowledge often it was uh, pointing out knowledge primarily um in many regards there there
1: seems to have been a big change even like the past 20 years
0: yes that's what i'm talking
1: about and society has changed profoundly so it's just a reflection um Of it, you know, back then we were all hunting for teachers, grades, initiations, everybody wanted to join the right group. And we all thought that that's what it boils down to. I think a more individualistic, you know, personal gnosis based approach has taken deep root nowadays. And that's probably because a lot of information is available. You know, publishing has exploded. The distribution of those books, the internet, big big thing so you know the gatekeeping does not work like it did anymore plus aren't all the secrets of all the orders on the internet right
0: they're not i wish i wish they were
1: okay <laughs> well then there is still mysteries for us to dig which is good like
0: yeah it is right it is i mean i remember a long time ago like over 20 years ago one of my friends was, was questioning whether he should continue spending time practicing magic or not and studying these things or not. Because that's a question that an early 20-year-old man would ask themselves when con- <laughs> trying to decide how they spend their valuable uh, time. And uh, and the answer he came to was just life is better with it, Life's, the world's more interesting with it. And I enjoy the book. It, it, gi- it
1: gives us fulfillment that is not easily replaced by any other endeavor, even though I'm guilty of dissuading young men from the occult. Like, I, I was genuinely sad and torn when one of my old friends who... I always saw him as, like, the trophy boyfriend, you know, like, the most handsome one in the class, the one best in sports, the one who was destined for some glorious career. And then he grew a giant beard bought some house in the woods built an alchemical laboratory there and left society and i'm like don't do this to yourself like you should get married and have children and you know like be the champion don't lose your life in the pursuit of the occult out there in the woods and then he bought two wolf dogs and i know that okay well he's chosen his path <laughs> I genuinely felt like like see my guilty forever encouraging that
0: once you buy the wolf dogs it's it's game over you've committed right. yeah yeah no <laughs> well it's like you having to go back
1: to society with those animals
0: <laughs> i bet i bet um yeah I, I think i think i think you had the right idea though trying to dissuade people because it it is something you should be dissuaded from if you can be um, and I and I don't say that to make uh, an a special example out of uh, esoteric practices, but I would say the same thing about writing or music. I mean, uh, you're oh, an artist sure. too, right? So, like, if if someone asks me about becoming a musician or a writer, the the answer is clear. If you can do anything else, do something else, right? If, but yeah, to, for for it to work out as an artist, you it has to you you have to not be able to do something else you have to need to only do like you yeah like and, and
1: you have to commit yourself to it and bind yourself with the oath of the abyss you know to follow your destiny and reject every other path and that's a hardcore thing and i believe maybe that's where the major arcana the higher mysteries that's where they start when mm. you really start caring only about your true destiny and not your ideas. Like you have wasted every option, every distraction. You have, you know, gone through every vice and every shortcut. And then you're like, well, now it's time for the real shit because I don't have, you know, the time is limited. Perhaps it has something to do with aging, but it comes at a different point for everyone. Like you suddenly get this fear almost that you will lose out, and you just stop pursuing the path of uselessness.
0: The path of uselessness. That's how come that 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 frightens me and sounds optimistic at the same time.
1: Because it's real. <laughs> <laughs> I I I had a friend back in the day who once had a bit of a meltdown before me. He felt like humbled by my attainments, I guess, or my insight. He was older and I was a woman. So I guess it was hurting his male ego. And he said, he he took a picture for me and he said, this is, you know, 10 years of my magic journals. And he had all these journals lined up on that piece of furniture And he proclaimed them useless. Like I have kept all these journals all these years and I learned nothing. So now I'm gonna toss them. Because the answer does not lie there.
0: A lot of people told me to burn my old journals. And I do
1: it. it. I I I discard mine because at the end, like it's a tool, and becoming attached to it, I think, would be wrong i have only decided to keep one out of maybe 10 volumes from the past two years and it's because it's like the only sentimental memory i have of my marriage that's the practice that we recorded there together so that's why i decided to keep it
0: yeah beautiful yeah well as you know i didn't burn my journals i decided to make youtube videos out of them that's another way to go to
1: immortalize them
0: well no so the 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 th- yeah like the fact is when i started um, uh, you know i started i started uh i i didn't i always sort of eschewed uh having a circle of personal students but you know after 40 it seemed to be sort of okay that was definitely rudolf steiner's thing he would always say you know you can't do that before 40 it wasn't because of a kabbalah thing at all or you know, where you start learning Kabbalah 40, which most people did start learning Kabbalah long before 40. For sure, throughout history, um, all the great Kabbalists are like 23 when they write their masterpieces and stuff like that. Um, that might not be entirely accurate, but it's not far off. The idea that that that, like, so the idea of, of your journals being useless, like your friend said, right, like, the, I've learned nothing like that's such a, if you don't feel that you have learned nothing that then you have learned nothing you need to feel, you should come through it if you've come through at the other end you feel it's like when you when you're finally freed from trauma and it no longer triggers you
1: you know i understand his wrath though because yeah
0: yeah it's totally, like yeah.
1: you feel like you've been a fool you know that you've been proven wrong but this is again you fighting your pride which is it's the mother of all sins you know it's the spiritual blindness the self-delusional entitlement yeah and for me you know, having those journals and keeping them and accepting myself, even though all those spells didn't work out that I recorded, even though all that divination that I noted down didn't come to pass, you know, even though I missed out all these meanings that were obvious, like it does make you freaking angry. Because it's a mirror.
0: It, yeah. The journal
1: used to be called the Book of Mirrors in Wicca back in the day.
0: Hmm. Yeah, the, the, what's what's been uh, rather than see, uh, seeing myself as having learned nothing from them and having them just be sort of a, a artifact of the past, I I I, I, thought, I discovered that you know there was value in in going through them and seeing my mistakes and talking about them with others. So you know using them as a teaching tool and you to know say like, oh, see how I didn't include any of this information there that I I think you know, looking at that now I think that's insane. And verse you know and now looking at see how see this long paragraph how I described this all this stuff and it took up like a third of the entry i wish i had that none of that matters i should have focused on talking about this and recording this to me that's an incredibly useful thing and of course i'm a teacher so that's what i'm it's my vocational calling since i was basically born is i just love the entire process of education the whole circular element to it and the the whole process of like you know birth and learning and then destruction of what you know then reforming. it's it's beautiful um And so, yeah, so that's what, that's what they're for, I guess. The discipline is the most valuable thing I found I got from them, as well as being able to see what things worked, uh, well and what things didn't work so well. Like, uh, I went, was going through one journal that, and I was looking at the rituals that led up to the biggest challenges I had. Yeah. Like, I had one real crisis, one sort of magical crisis during all my years in training in the Golden Dawn. And I was like, I never, You know, I lived through it, so I never went back to see what was the ritual work leading up to it. And sure enough, I flipped a page and I saw something. I'm like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? And I can't believe what I fucking did. And
1: There's nothing like realizing that, you know, some major tailspin fuck up in your life was actually fully evoked by you with a certain magical working, unforeseen.
0: Someone said, no matter what, don't do this. And guess what I did?
1: This. I know what that feels like. (laughs) That's what we do, like magicians, right? Black magicians and white magicians alike. Somebody tells us, don't do that shit. And we're like, hmm, says gates that should never be open. Let's do it.
0: It was the one and only time I did that. So... Yeah, learn from my mistakes. If, if people tell you not to do something, generally you shouldn't do it. But of course, at the same time, we're we're children and we want to touch the pretty glowing element. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, what, I remember once I was reading, my mom let me have the nightlight on really late once when I was eight and I was reading my book late at night. And for some reason, I just saw that there was scissors on the desk. So I picked it up and cut the light switch while it was on. <laughs> I think I was seven or eight just to see what, hap- what would happen. It was pretty scary.
1: And you know, <laughs> I've not I, I, with think, electricity I think since that's then. a valid motivation to do something just to see what happens because it's all about that experience. You know, that's why we incarnate. That's the whole point here. You know, you're just filling in the puzzle.
0: I think it's significant. I like the fact that in the medieval period, spells were called experimenta.
1: Oh, experiment. that's so beautiful. That's, see, if I had approached it this way, I would never become so pissed off because I approached <laughs> it as a... <laughs> You know, maybe I should have approached it as gambling, which is how pacts, demonic pacts, were explained to me by Mephistopheles recently. It's a bet. You know, a win is not guaranteed. You play to get the chips to play the game. And, you know, then you discover things and some of your wishes work out the way you imagined. Some work out in a way that you had never foreseen. But it's a bet, you know, you you buy the kinder surprise. They just plant the eggs. So maybe I should think about it this way from now on.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not meant I don't think the Latin word for it was meant to imply everything that the word experiment today implies. Um, maybe maybe you would i think a latinist would be the one to only one to answer that definitively but yeah i mean john d called his his spells actions generally things were called experimenta back then and i think he didn't call them that specifically because he wanted to distance himself from himself from witchcraft of course for (laughs) so he wouldn't get killed but yeah the mentality of experimentation even spiritually i think is a is a healthy one it's a you know um yeah it's it's the approach i i certainly take and uh once you once you do know how to do things safely there's yeah you're you're usually pretty good usually pretty good i think in terms of hell if we can we can say, if there's more to say on dante and uh and the and the rings of hell. i'm curious about your ideas of this about how how this world is hell why why can't this world be heaven
1: oh well we live in duality right heaven and hell are organized um in mirroring each other and then they mirror the human society In some way, like from what I have discovered, every institution created by man basically mirrors hell, you know, whether it's some of the more obvious ones, such as jail or the courthouse or high school or the strip club. You know, a, a lot of times practitioners have these dreams about being in hell. It's embodied to them as some kind of profession or institution that they hate, that they have to do it. Like one of my exes was dreaming about working for the county as a social worker again. (laughs) And his superiors appeared to be Lilith and Hecate. You know, and Hecate showed him mercy, but Lilith had no mercy for him. So he woke, you know, he he wakes up sweating, like from the worst nightmare. Um, I've had a female practitioner tell me that she was dreaming about being stuck in some a version of hell where she was like forced into prostitution. Um I was certainly you know, being private to like the underworld of the strip clubs and that whole industry in this country. I could totally see how that would mirror the institutions of hell. And then of course there is the government bureaucracy which is perhaps the most infernal of all Institutions. It's so absurd what goes on in there. But even anybody who has worked, like in healthcare or, you know, education, the army, the police, anybody who gets into the system, a particular institution of society, and stays there long enough to wisen up, they will begin to see the diabolical nature of it. How it just perpetuates suffering, it doesn't fulfill the function. That it is supposed to fulfill, it does something else completely. You know, um, that's kind of the general idea behind yeah. it. I'm like, hell is here. It's not, it's obviously not a place that you go after you die, or, you know, it's some place underworld, or that you need to slip through the cracks of some interdimensional gateway. It, it overlays this reality. Yeah. We're we're in it.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> it's uh it's so true. I mean, even thinking about my time working in the church, one of the biggest conundrums I found right away and I I had a job working for the church uh uh just before I graduated um and and you know, had things gone differently, I I probably would've taken a church and been a full-time priest in the church. Um but instead, I was working uh, as a director of youth ministries and the conundrum was hellish kids would come to you like the first day i had two kids come to me and, and tell me in the sacristy about about sexual abuse of, with the previous director of youth ministry who was a 20 year old wow. girl and the younger boys right away so you, in the fact this wow. 10 and 12 year old girl yeah our previous one used to go and close the door and and make out with the other boys in there and i was like okay okay just you know i had been trained so i took it as it came i didn't react or anything so. All right. Oh wow. Oh. you know, first thing I did have them do was then put a big window in the door of the, my office, and the guy looked at me. the The landlord, the land, the the, the Dutch guy who handled the building, looked at me with the wide eyes, like, "Oh yeah, okay." You couldn't believe how quickly I had heard these things. Like,
1: oh wow. And then well, when I heard so more you things, were th- you were thrown in hell pretty fast.
0: But oh, that's not the hell. That's that's just life. That's just life. Unfortunately, it's I, and I don't mean to minimize that at all. The hell is when you can't then report it because some of the parents of the kids involved are on the church board, and if you report it, you get fired, and then you can't work anymore. Oh
1: yeah, that, yeah, Man, no, that that's that's, that's the, the institutional hell. Aspect no action that's possible. Hell.
0: There was nothing but, I could do except just leave or or yes. become a become a well, that's a, a, the point uh, you have to
1: you problem. have to leave that ring you have to leave that cauldron and you know realize what is holding you there yeah fortunately and when you leave that when you leave that mindset when you, uh, you leave that ambition or that advice that you know that pattern in you you're released you cannot fix it it's like the mythical you know like the labor of Sisyphus. it never ends and it can never succeed it goes on and on in circles that's why it's called the rings of hell, because things go on in circles there until you snap out of it and then leave.
0: And now a word from our sponsors. I I, I often in my imagination just visualize as an exercise all of the Clepothic tree just in Malkut. Just like compressed into Malkut and and think about it that way. I like doing weird things with the Tree of Life, flipping them around on its head just to see how it changes the way I think about things and see if there's any insight. I think you're
1: totally right. I think all the hells, all the cliffs are condensed around us here, you know. And, And that hell of religious hypocrisy of the false prophets is definitely one of the deepest ones because where else should we be finding truth if not in the spiritual pursuit in the spiritual institution so so when you realize that it's you know occupied by high level demons and that it's all about pretenses and keeping power and money and keeping people in ignorance and keeping some dead traditions alive and just perpetuating something that nobody even knows anymore what the original purpose was well you know that's a bummer when you wake up to that
0: it is. I guess kind I of was, I was
1: I was fanatical about being a priestess in my early twenties, just just like you were, you know, I felt the calling and I was recognized as one with talent. So different churches, different orders, they all wanted me, you know, because they want the pretty front face, they want somebody charismatic that people would follow. But I left them all because I saw I remember precisely the moment that it kind of dawned on me i was organizing druidic local groves at that point in time and it was when i was fulfilling one of these quarterly reports because we were actually a, a church recognized uh, by the state something that back then we really wanted to be nowadays it just seems to be to me, it just seems so as backwards that we yeah. wanted to be recognized by the state, like to have this legitimacy, to feel that like, you know, like we're worthy. It, it just seems so childish. But anyway, 20 years yeah. ago in the pagan community, it was a big issue. It,
0: it was, it was, Every everyone felt that way, I think, in the 90s. Right.
1: Nowadays, I'm like, like, well, I don't even want to become a citizen of this country.
0: <laughs>
1: <So> <laughs> I was filling the, this quarterly report. And it had like a few compulsory aspects to it. And the most important one was you had to report all the activities that you did aimed at recruiting new members. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, so we're basically proselytizing just like the Christians, fuck that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Cause you know, it was presented to us. That like we want to bless people with the mysteries. That's why we had to master the art of doing a public ritual. To get the light and in, everybody involved. And I learned a lot about liturgy. You know, it really helped me facilitate circles. Which is Sabbaths. I've, I was doing it for years. You know, how to appeal to all the senses, movements, music, visuals. So I became a good sacred performer. It, but... You know, then I realized that actually well why do we need to recruit people like why should we be like advertising ourselves and our worship and our mysteries you know shouldn't those who feel the call like find us on their own why is the number of members and keeping them and attracting them a measure of like our success so it legitimacy. don't mean that the, any spiritual institution, any order, they will never have, they will never be aligned with the goals of an individual seeker. Because they will always be, A, recruiting new members, and B, collecting membership fees. And then, you know, when they grow big enough, they will become a bureaucratic nightmare of administration.
0: Yeah. Hell, okay, I'm with you. I mean... I think anyone who hasn't declared that this world is just freaking hell is lying, right? Most of us have said it at one point or another. It's a it's a human experience, and uh, we have to go through the clepo, right? I mean, the, they're husks. They're husks, right? They're husks around the the grain or the the wheat, and whether you see them as the chaff that to be uh, you know transmuted and and cast aside, or whether you see them as uh, some sort of I don't know. Let me. Let me put on my Clipothic um, mage thinking hat, which I'm, you know, is, is meant to be ironic for those who are new to this channel. <laughs> um, like, what if the, you know, what if the husk is just a, you know, outward or above manifestation of the true kernel, right? And then that thing in between is the illusion of angelic light or divine, divine goodness um, of the sphera. And uh, you know, because I, I, there's a lot of creative thinking going on in the left-hand path, uh, black magic, cliffhath community. If I, if I may be, um, if I can state the obvious, right? There's and and that's what I like about it. Actually, is the creativity of it. Um, I wish they were, there was a bit more historical reliance on resources and and stuff. But at the same time, you know,
1: the modern day left-hand path is extremely focused on like direct noses
0: right exactly
1: and and i really appreciate this about it because you know when somebody says i spoke to satan or Lilix spoke to me we like the people that i run with nobody puts that under question yeah we can disregard the practitioner later when it's obvious that they have like a mental illness issue or they're like super fucked up on drugs uh, but we will disregard them as a person, not necessarily the fact that they are in touch with spirits. You know, they, they, they're just not an example worth um, following. But the heavy focus on personal gnosis and direct communication with spirits is a good thing. It's It's a good thing. It also means that anybody can become an author if they have enough charisma and they want to present their material. This material is highly sought after, you know, the, grim, the modern day grimoires. Yeah. Um, and they can, you know, they can lead people astray or, or they can lead people to good places. It's kind of wild, you know, it's it, the value of academic authority or proven resources, all the resources going back hundreds of years. It just doesn't exist on the left-hand path in in the Western um, occultism. It's it's like a pioneering spirit that is very individualistic, that draws from living on the edge, from drastic life circumstances. Um, The modern-day left-hand path grimoire is a memoir as well, you know, and, and it is quite in the genre of You know, the red dragon, the great grimoire, it it says madness, insanity is what awaits all geniuses. It's what awaits us at the end, the magicians. So we are the mad Arab of the Necronomicon. It's this archetype of the black magician, you know, and like he is in it for himself to the edge. You know, he doesn't rely on the brotherhood or the tradition. It's a rogue tradition anyway, you know associating was dangerous it's still kind of ill-advised <laughs> just because of you know what black magicians are like they're bad news very often so we kind yeah. of associate you know at at our own peril we generally don't really form orders anymore like true black magic cults are quite rare i have only come across a few in my life
0: what separates a true black magic cult from a regular black magic cult or an untrue one however you want to frame it
1: why well, i i just tend to judge you know the the force of the current itself or like the devotion of people even the dedication the fanaticism they they take it seriously that's kind of how i would judge it
0: Hmm. yeah so seriousness people every time people would come to temple to in vancouver from other golden dawn temples they'd always be like after a day or two they'd be like well you guys are like so hardcore like you guys take this (laughs) so 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 seriously like you guys like I, I would often have to leave my job after three months because of requirements by the temple, or a trip I'd be sent on to go lecture somewhere, and uh, so I would usually not last too long at the the shitty little waiter jobs I would take because that wasn't where my priority was at, you know. If I, and but, you know, yeah. that's the
1: true devotion, and that's what an occultist should be if they are in any way serious. It, it's it's not a hobby. Though, if you want to get if you want to get somewhere with it, then you have to put it at the top of your priorities. And that of course has massive implications, you know, for your personal life, for your career, for your standing in society.
0: I would say though, if you wanna if you need a good hobby, if your life is has a has a hobby shaped hole in it, then magic you could do worse than magic.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: It's it's a pretty good one, especially if you do it in a Healthy way, which is actually not hard to do. Just, you know, take follow follow the advice most people give you. Like, you know, good advice is good advice when both white and black magicians are saying the same thing. For example, would you agree?
1: Yeah, no, you can you can definitely look for the overlap. Magic or witchcraft, especially as a hobby, you you can literally subscribe to witchy boxes that will deliver you a ritual inbox every month for the season so it can be a hobby you know you can be a collector of those things you can be a tarot collector um you can celebrate the wheel of the year and you know it doesn't need to overtake your life or or eat it up or throw it in a total tailspin I have noticed that people who base their practice around natural magic nature and natural cycles uh, they tend to do well like they're stable
0: yeah I always I always say like you, you, you want to protect yourself from from magical attack and, and and from the uh potential uh not chaos but the these strains and stresses there's a word I'm missing that come from deep spiritual work garden go for walks in nature like you know yeah get get involved in the physical you know earth more go swimming in the ocean it's it's a grounding you know uh is what what's the popular word these days oniric thing is that is that what people are saying left town oh, i'm not
1: I'm not familiar with the fads. <laughs>
0: i don't know either well I, i'm reading uh the barren citadel the last little while and uh because i've always had a the one of the first gods i ever felt called to and devoted to was was Gedi, um the loa and uh, wrote a wrote a song dedicated to him. Like I was really practicing a lot of devotional magic in the nineties to the Loa Gidi. Well, and now well, there's well, finally the, a little uh, know, new work. The Baron on is
1: fantastic, and and like they are the middle ground. You know, they are neither the hot spirits, all the cold spirits, heaven or hell. They are just something else entirely, a third force that is a force of balance that is always just. So you know, it's. Oddly enough, it's also the death cults and the death worship based paths that also can produce stability in people. You know, Santa Muerte, pain, or the Gede. Black magic necromancers, of course, are not known for, you know, living long and harmonious lives, but... It all depends on the approach that you take to it because necromancy exists also in so many forms in every civilization out there in every culture. It's just certain archetypal way of black magician makes the dangerous path and it cannot be any other way like you cannot do it safely because that's. You know. That's not how. It works.
0: probably why I take the white magician necromancer path (laughs) with uh, with a lot of uh, Hail Marys. Yeah, that is a key difference is just these subtle uh, or maybe they're not so subtle distinctions and approaches that I really enjoy getting to talk to you about, like, uh, like, uh, you know, this is why I was excited to to have this conversation again is to understand more of the nuances because especially as someone like I'm very interested in just all people in all humans how they get through the planet, and whether like you're from the most despicable to the most seemingly divine. It fascinates me. I love humans. I love the planet. I love human life. and And to understand ever to ever increasingly understand. What fulfills us, what drives us, what defines us is, I think, one of the most interesting subjects we can, we can undertake to, to grasp. Because, of course, how, you know, so much insights we get about ourselves by seeing how things are done differently. And what would you say is like, if you were to define a distinct difference in approach, as we've just laid out between the black and the white in this case, what would that be? Because recently I've heard people saying that black magic is, the severe pillar and white magic is the merciful pillar. And that's completely the opposite. That has to my, that makes no sense to me. I've never heard anyone define black magic. Well, as, the, as the, left hand, and white the magic left-hand path blocking. is
1: a path of blasphemy, you know, and um, radicalism, opposition, rebellion, burning it down, rejecting material possessions. Um, it's a path of war could be also said of self-challenge but you know at the end like all paths lead to Rome there is only the path however you start however you conceive of it like we all meet at a certain point if we get there and the labels they cease to matter yeah of course of course there is like our little petty you know pet peeves and annoyances, like, you know, the shit that white magicians say about the Black Lodge, the shit that the Black Lodge says about the white magicians, and and they, like, all have a point. But, in so as far as... For as long as we both do our work, we always will meet. It's all about doing the work.
0: Fire walk with me.
1: For sure, for sure. And, you know... I, I, although like I have a bit of a, I have a doubt whether people can form close relationships or marriages when they are like on different paths, because the spirits tend to not like it. And usually one of them tries to dominate the relationship or, you know, the spouse will feel like judged or rejected or like, oh, you don't want to show me before your friends because you're ashamed of me. Um, you know, or they will like try to convert one another. That's the issue. That's the only issue that I have with it. That, you know, since we build all these relationships and the social circles and the narratives around it, or even like fashion choices, visuals, um, you know, birds of feather flock together. So when you, you know, when, when you choose your favorite flavor of the shit sandwich. <laughs> that's what you're. That's what you're stuck with, and I know that. People, a lot of people, like, will refuse to hear me out, or associate with me, or even look at me, just because of, you know, my association, and the choice of aesthetics that follows it, and all that stuff. And it kind of saddens me because just a few years ago, it was not known about me at all that I was left in path. I was hiding it. <laughs> because of my
0: beneath druid robes
1: kind of i was like the good witch the neighborhood witch you know i i would never like hail satan and and stuff now i do um <laughs> but it's like you know do i have to masquerade or make myself likable to be heard well maybe but i don't want to do it anymore
0: so if someone hails satan the adversary Who's then their adversary?
1: Well, they recognize him as the challenger and the teacher. The enemy is your teacher. You know, it's a martial arts kind of a concept. He's not your your daddy. You know, he's not Santa Claus to give you stuff, even though that's how some people kind of see it in, in like a more simplistic devotional aspect they're like oh you know Lilith and Satan they're like my father and mother and they protect me and you know they like they're just worshippers but the adversary of course is your enemy he's your challenger he's not here to soothe you or comfort you
0: yeah the the left hand path sort of fails to be transgressive if you nerf it too much eh? like if uh you go all go all uh, go all Wiccan on it
1: and and we have this problem like where everything from art to subcultures to spirituality becomes emptied because of this pervasive cult of political correctness
0: and homogenization and political correctness are are definitely The
1: homogenization a is scary. There used to be such creative spirit in like music subcultures you know different hobby subcultures, and it's just blended in this homogenous pool where everybody dresses the same, everybody talks the same. Nobody actually has anything original to say anymore. And everybody is afraid of losing their Facebook accounts for 30 days for saying something that they shouldn't have, that the big brother doesn't like. Because when they're banned from Facebook, then they will not get their dopamine hit. And that's what we are conditioned to seek. And that's a sad state of affairs, right?
0: You of course did you notice that 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 my recent banning off from by meta of all I got banned off all business tools permanently for Facebook and Instagram because I shared that esoteric exoteric Christianity meme, which was a joke.
1: What? Yeah. Oh my god. No.
0: Yeah. Well like sharing a
1: meme. Well, I, I got a
0: it shows one path going into a church of, of light and that says esoteric church and another path going into a church of darkness says exoteric. It's a joke, especially I didn't even post it, I just shared it because I it made me laugh and the I thought it might make others they, laugh.
1: You know, they, they get their uh and their algorithms and they judge content based on like false claims, so anything faith faith based could be judged as a fraud or offending somebody's religious yeah, beliefs.
0: Me sharing it. Was I shared.
1: I shared you, you cannot share memes about Jonestown. I mean, you can think that it's poor taste to make fun yeah. of a mass uh, casualty event, but fuck that! You know, like we have freedom of speech, we have humor. You can't do it because it's taken down as propaganda of radical terrorist okay. organizations, cults. They are killing humor, and without humor, we don't have any way to transgress our petty selves. So social media yeah. is a big influence on just it's killing spirituality.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I, I get banned for nudity every time I forget and I share some illustration depicting the witch's sabbath. Oh.
0: Uh. Because that there's really... always
1: a piece of ass or a nipple that I just you know, I don't look at the world through this prism of censorship it's not lewd like there is nothing obscene about the human body um, well
0: you're European I apologize for this prudish puritanical culture that you have uh, find yourself in because you know I I, I I certainly felt that uh, I woke up a lot uh, moving to Vienna when I was 16 and being like, oh we're still like a bunch of puritanical prudes who are super close-minded by comparison to Europeans. It's like my it's, favorite it's Oscar Wilde quote, per, the civilization The perception of nudity academy. in
1: art would be a good example because here it implies pornography or prostitution or, you know, it's, it's, it's just different. Like, we are used to seeing bodies like statues, paintings, it's everywhere. It's even in the churches. The human form is a basis for all the European art and USA doesn't really have an art tradition or architecture or culture.
0: I was, we went on a, I went with my uh, Gast family in Vienna to uh, Mallorca for winter break, for Easter break, Easter vacation in grade 10, this was 97. And we went to a beach and the whole family, so it's like the two fellow high schoolers who were the, the siblings and the parents, everyone got naked and just laid on the beach. Completely wow. naked. That's and I was, I was there. I was there. Oh, my. Can you imagine? Seeing a dad and a, a teenage daughter and a teenage son and then a, all just get naked. They go swimming or whatever. And, like, all, they're all naked all of a sudden. And I'm, like, I start buttoning up my long black trench coat on the beach in Majorca. I've got lots of pictures to prove it. And <laughs> I would wander around and look for tall promontories of, of, of orange sand, rock to climb up to and, and invoke the sylphs and write poems. That's what I would do. But... Sure enough, everywhere I looked, everyone was naked. I was just like, "This is this is a different thing." And yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's a shame that we can't appreciate.
1: But see, your experience is a perfect example of the sheer need to transgress our cultural conditioning. Yeah, because I that's got. What over we're my born head. with that's what we are stuck Eventually. with. And, you know, if you have never traveled, if you have never confronted yourself with something outside of your culture, then how do you even know that everything you believe in is real and it's the correct thing or the only thing? Even for me to move here, like I had to accept a completely different mindset. And it's a painful process because... You get asked hundreds of times by cab drivers, where are you from? That's kind of an American thing. Everybody asks you, where are you from? It's such a big place. And I had problems answering that question, like how exactly you answer that question when you're an immigrant who sort of, you know, landed on a rock bottom series of life choices that led somewhere where you didn't want to go. You know, moving through five different states in a year. So where are you from, actually? You know, can't go back to Europe anymore. So where are you from? And that's a very mystical question.
0: Mm.
1: And, and it hurts to be thrown out of your element and from your self-perception. I was separated from my story. Mm. So I tried different answers. I was like, you know what? I don't even know anymore or like I guess I'm a traveler then I said oh I'm from Oregon then I said oh I'm from New York you know I tried answering this question multiple ways kind of experimenting with what sticks and then I stopped caring because I realized that the answer it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter where I'm from aka who I am like why you know i don't judge myself nobody will judge me either their their curiosity is innocent and me taking it personally and like rehashing my whole trauma of being an undocumented immigrant that's on me so it kind of cured me you know from that from that lost uh, identity
0: yeah yeah huh it's such a i find myself unprepared to to grapple with those these are some major questions maybe i can uh we can percolate that in the back of the brain for a minute and uh ground down with some book talk i was if you don't mind um of the as we were talking with the grimoires coming out, especially in the LHP community, Black Magic community, however, whatever subgroups you want to think. What ones would you say, how does someone, uh, and again, I'm not looking to get into them, of course, because it's it's just not my cup of tea. i got plenty of my own books to read, um, you know, too many. Um, but I'm curious about it, and I'm curious about how people within that your community and these communities distinguish between the good stuff and the bad stuff. The, the authentic grimoires that are considered, uh, you know, must have, super awesome, magical it's, books, it's... and the ones that are pejoratively referred to in 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 the words of the, our dearly departed Jake Stratton Kent, dark fluff. And also, do you find the term dark fluff offensive when it comes to referring to certain books?
1: I, I find it to be like a right-hand path term, dark fluff.
0: Hmm. except it came from jake stratton kent so it's from within the left hand path community of goetic magicians so he's identifying things within his own community that he considers silly um but and for me looking from the outside i can never tell which of these books that i see see out there um are sort of which ones i don't know i don't have the tool set to identify well you know you'd have to like
1: get in. you'd that's And here's the thing, you know, like I used to be passionate about like judging books and campaigning for what is authentic and like bashing with my own reviews, that which was fluff. But that's me 10, 15 years ago and Mm. I'm a different person. I don't even read anymore. You know, I get like a little bit of scanned material here and there from other practitioners when we get into a conversation and they want to show me something, but I have not read an actual book for ages and I won't because I constantly move around so I need to keep all of my material possessions to a minimum so yeah. these kinds yeah. of intellectual wars like I'm way beyond it Um, to me like to maintain a library like you have so I've been living out of two suitcases for the past two years and here you have with this library you know this collection so you're asking like a gypsy vagrant about something that they have not seen in a long time a library wow yeah well,
0: that's you
1: know i just get my journal you've been <laughs> that's doing what that yeah. I and and that's that's sort of how we are you know it's a more rogue path so they will usually have a few things that they consider like the shit and then they like try to get into it and and practice it and walk through it. It's more The Black Magic Grimoire is considered more like a personal talisman of power. Like there is actual force current flowing through that book.
0: Well, we see the same thing with our with our grimoires, of course. I don't. I think that's. I would call that any grimoires that qualify that. That would be the ones I would call the
1: authentic you know, is not the, not the, the right it's word, of, word but it's the, good the word shit. of mouth though and you know the more obscure the material often the, the better
0: of course sometimes there is no
1: authority you know there there is no like circus review for, <laughs> for books of black magic and some are you know still circulated um, in like a rogue way you know illicitly it's a part of the appeal of secret knowledge like if it can be obtained easily, then it can't be so good.
0: I don't think that's always true. I think that's sometimes true. Like, like there's a lot of there's a lot of really easily obtainable knowledge that might be the best thing you could ever hear in your life. For example, let me give you this one: <laughs> you know, love yourself and love others. Really easy to get knowledge. Probably underrated.
1: this difficult. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. You know, love thy neighbor like you love yourselves. So when you don't have self-love, it's gonna be difficult.
0: So that's super accessible. You'll hear it everywhere if you leave the house, especially in certain places or towns or countries. Um, and it's easy to ignore, but it might be it might be the most important thing you'll ever hear in your life. And more interestingly, perhaps, it might be the hardest thing you ever try and do, if you even try at all. I know for me, one of the reasons that I like Christianity is because uh, it, it challenges me more than any religion I've ever could imagine coming across. Though a lot of religions have the, the exact same challenge within them. And that is, the, but specifically in Christianity, the challenge of forgiveness and not seeking vengeance on people. That, to me, is the hardest fucking thing I've ever had to do in my life and I'm it's a constant progress it's a constant labor and it will never end as long as I'm alive because people will always do you wrong people will always sin against you and you will always sin and since we're all sinners we basically need to forgive ourselves and forgive others
1: yeah and we need to be kind to each other you know that's what the depictions of hell show us where people are seated by the table you know, with this giant bowl of soup, but their their forks and their spoons are so long that they cannot feed themselves. They can only feed their neighbor. So it's like, how do we get collectively out of hell? Well, by being there for each other, brothers and sisters. We are forced to cooperate, to get out.
0: Yeah, that's, of course, uh, one of the greatest stories I think I heard as a kid, uh, it sticks with all of us, I think, the, the, the long spoon story, right? Um, and, and back to back to uh, the circles of hell, in one of your articles on your website, which will be linked, of course, uh, for those below, um, you talk about with a friend going, needing to move from pride to lust. Why would lust be a better place to live than pride?
1: Well, um, the rings of hell are not created equal. And in traditional theology, some inclinations are considered to be more natural, more human. You know, it's what connects us to the animals. Everybody will always have some inclination of lust because we need to procreate. So lust is actually considered the most shallow ring of hell, whereas pride is the deepest one. That's where the spiritual self-delusion and entitlement sets in. That's where you become blind to your own actions. you know so it's it's seen as more of a choice, a bad choice and then you can instigate others into it, um, it, it and I think the order of the Rings is this it's it's lust um, excess or like gluttony, greed follows. Um, And then from there, it gets worse, you know, that there you have wrath, violence, vengeance, um, treachery, and the false prophets, you know, and and the ring of pride, where Lucifer himself reigns, because that's considered to be the mother of all sins.
0: So why was your... Your friend is talking in the article about the benefits you like the the need for for it seems she was saying almost like both of you needed to go from pride into lust, and because yeah, lust but, is this animalistic um, primal quality well, because we all unless, have.
1: Unless you unless you seek to leave hell entirely, you will always be partially mired in it because of your human nature, and that's actually what Lucifer told me the same. Um, recently, he said, "Look, it's." basically almost pointless in my eyes, to trying to leave the ring of lust entirely because it's a part of your animalistic human nature. So why don't you just see it as a lounge? Like this is the airport lounge and you can smoke a cigar here and you can be fine because if you don't have the inclination to submerge deeper, it's not a vice for you, then you can just enjoy it. But, you know, some of those other vibrations, they tend to suck you in faster. Like engaging in vengeance or violence has like a cumulative effect. And it's well attested to, you know, in numerous stories. You know how in the movies, they always try to resolve one situation by killing someone. And then there is like a whole bunch of corpses, you know, hidden beneath the carpet. And it's obvious that it will never be possible to go back or get out anyway, the movie Fargo comes to mind. It starts with somebody's one bad idea motivated by greed. And you know, from greed, you get sucked into wrath, violence, and then you're just like making one stupid decision after another, which is pride. And then it ends with the mass disaster. So, so, you know, stories like that show the progress of like how it happens, how do you get sucked into hell? And how do you recreate hell? For yourself and others around here,
0: yeah, well, I definitely believe we create hell in this world. I mean maybe that's uh the idea that's certainly Kenneth Grant's idea of the 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 tunnels of set um and the clepot right the he talks about how um there wouldn't be tunnels of set, which are pathways between the klepotic Sephiroth, unless they were unless we created them. Kenneth Grant's view is that we create those tunnels. We're the ones who even connect dark forces together or or the husks together um, to form a network of of uh, shadow. Or And
1: I word. have seen these tunnels. Like I had visions um, very vivid ones of kind of being bust around between these different cliffhotic realms, realms of hell. So I know that they exist. Well, I mean, they don't exist. To, because how else would we move between those places
0: in my studies and and work with with clipa um the experience was that yeah they, they don't even and they don't manifest spiritually they manifest physically so oh they do I, absolutely you no, I remember the physicals to evolve spiritually perhaps the work of the clipo and clipas is to in some ways and from some points of view manifest from the spiritual into the physical and uh
1: i've certainly been there you know i was sitting on a bus in eugene oregon and i and suddenly i was overwhelmed with this feeling that like i am being bussed around from like one place in hell to another kind of as a process of gradual release and all the people around me well not only they were physically kind of like convicts and people from the lowest strata of society but they started talking And it all felt like we're actually all in hell. And they're describing to me how it works. They're like, oh, there's somebody's piss on the floor. Don't step into somebody else's piss or you will stink. And I'm like, yeah, that's good life advice, right right there. Then some other man was like, yeah, my court hearing is today at 3 p.m. I'm like, yo, are we all like on our way to premature release from hell? it was very real uh, it was not like a vision or a dream or a symbol it was like i was there and those people were there and they all like looked and smelled and acted exactly how you would picture people in hellwood and you know i think the public transport is a good place to see hell in the united states
0: and now in vancouver too we have our crime our crimes up 54% stabbings on the buses kids getting just st- people just randomly stabbing people some guy outside of a Starbucks just down the street the other week um, asked the, this uh, uh, guy to stop vaping in front of his daughter and the guy just stabbed him in front of his daughter and bled out there the videos it's horrible it's just and,
1: and that's hell, you know that's how you like know that it's not increase. some other place that this random violence you know the ring of wrath that it does overlap our reality the insanity and the suffering of those people, when you bump into them on in the street, like the homeless crisis, you're brushing shoulders with that vibration. They, those people, they are insane. They're seeing different things. They're somewhere else. You You just pass next to them and they'll start threatening you.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've I've never I, I used uh, the Golden Dawn Temple in Vancouver was in Gastown, a tourist area, which is on the border of heaven and hell, because we got all the beautiful touristy stuff on one side, and then all the down the the and the four the 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 intersection where there is more drug use per capita than anywhere else in the entire world, still to this day. And the uh I, I never felt unsafe, not once. I would walk amongst everyone. I walked through the alleys, the darkest of the drug use. Never felt unsafe. Was, and I wasn't wasn't unsafe. I mean, someone might have tried to rob me with a needle if I got really unlucky, but that was about the worst of things I would have to face. And most of the time, people just ignore you. Everyone was everyone's in their own little space space. Whatever I was in heaven. Some of them were in hell, and we all occupied the same, you know, four block radius. Um but now I do feel unsafe. Now I now I don't take but i if I can take an Uber instead of a bus, I do just because I want to have a slightly higher percentile chance of not being killed. It's a minuscule chance. I might sound crazy and paranoid, but
1: you know, these realities are collective as well as individual, and you can see this collective element of hell really manifesting itself in American cities.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well.
1: like you cannot escape it anymore you know it used to be that it was just some neighborhoods and if you were in the good neighborhood it was okay but now there's so many homeless in every major city in this country that they take over the neighborhoods
0: it's so weird that not letting people work for two years would cause homelessness right like we saw this coming as soon as they stopped us from working it's like there's going to be homelessness and mass crime now we're seeing the beginning of like the mass crime and we saw it it's so bad it's so bad is this is this in this is under the theme of pc culture or just hell in the world it's all it's all one theme isn't it damn
1: well it, it is you know and like i'm a byproduct of these changes as well because my immigration case is stuck in a queue that is three years long So how do they expect us to survive for three years with no papers, no work permit, no health insurance, nothing? You know, that's pretty infernal when you think about it. Yeah. And there's tens of thousands of us, you know, and then there's everybody else who was stuck in every other government bureaucratic loop trap so i think on a collective level hell is has been manifesting more visibly in recent years like it wants itself to be known like it doesn't want to be ignored anymore
0: yeah well we have a we have the same same problem unfortunately you know uh, up here with uh, our leader satan's gimp trudeau <laughs> you know not letting us, he's like literally is not letting us build homes like it's it's a yeah it's a, it's a it does feel like i, I hate the phrase de- controlled demolition but it just feels like it It's just like that's what it is and i don't know why other if, if other than for some elite globalist uh control over all of us undesirables as pod people and eaters it seems like seems like that's really what's happening but i i hate i hate being uh pessimistic about it i want to be optimistic i want to look for things we can do and uh so many people more and more people it seems are I, I i that i talk to are like you know you really got to stop thinking about all this stuff and just do whatever you want and be happy and i think
1: we live in the age of kali yuga exactly as advertised
0: well it's supposed to be over Kali Yuga is supposed to be over. Isn't it's supposed it, to have ended in Isn't 1900. It? And Rudolf Steiner oh. said the Maitreya Bodhisattva returned oh, in the 30s wow. in the form of easy, Valentin Thomberg, perhaps.
1: Right? I don't know. Well, from what I've been seeing, Kali Yuga is pretty much out there and well.
0: Yeah, right? It's funny uh, uh, how Rudolf Steiner thought the beginning of the 20th century would be this great time of the of the higher selves ruling human Consciousness. So the the higher self, which Steiner sees as the I ego, the ego, the I self, is the higher self, and it would emerge and lead people into the next age. But what, of course, happened was it emerged in the form of Ubermensch, trying to declare themselves as the higher selves, and everyone else as the lower selves. Of course, so if the higher self did man- manifest as the Ich, the ego, the I self it it quickly decided well it can't we you know some of us are higher selves and the rest are lower selves and let's get rid of the the lower ones and we had a we had a century of war unlike any other so uh we
1: are living in interesting times as the chinese curse says
0: I mean my thinking is that when these new e- energies manifest like when we see with astrological cycles or even spiritual cycles like entering the sphera and having to work through the husk or the shell first right or in some sort of uh, dialectic with the with the divine attribute it's similar like when uh, with the the pluto transiting uh, that's going on right now, like death in the Aquarius, like Aquarius is this androgynous authoritarian humanitarian sign, and Pluto's this death ball, just saying, ooh, androgyny and death, let's do it often the negative comes out first, often we have to husk uh, get rid of the hus- the husk in the shell before we get the 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 manna
1: it, and it's the uh, turning out the ages for sure, you know, Pluto and Capricorn three hundred years ago launched the american revolution and the end of the aristocratic systems to be replaced by parliamentary democracy and now it's being replaced by something else again
0: who knows yeah well the the war is on i mean it is you know in the 90s when no one wanted we never said like evil we're like no just say negative it's just negative it's not evil (laughs) and it's like war's not like bad it's just like lots of people dying really fast and that's negative, you know. But
1: <laughs> I, I like. Do
0: you, you, you remember that that sort of kind of a uh, you know we were trying to uh, nerf spirituality in the new age just a little bit, and now it's it's hard to even think that way when you see like, yeah, blatant, like like you know, just yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, everything. You don't even need to say it anymore, that which is such a sign of the times. Uh, where's the hope, Anima? Where's the hope? Give me some. Where hope. is
1: the hope? Well It's the struggle for progress. It's the Darwinian struggle that you must embrace um as the purpose of life, the meaning of life. That's kind of my personal answer to it, because I'm Luciferian and I see Lucifer as the spirit of progress at the cost of struggle. It's just going forward, you know, not just winning, also losing. Keep moving.
0: Well, oh. well, we see that. I, that there's some hope. I mean, discard
1: we the hope. hope. Don't ask for hope. There is no hope. It's a fight. There's no
0: hope. Well, you see, there I sort of agree with you. I, I always liked the idea of. You know, when, when Christ's disciples were like, "How? what do we do about this horrible situation of the world and the poor and the wars and oh, no, 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 no. And then there's Midianites, oh my God, Canaanites too, perhaps, and the Moabites. Don't forget the Moabites. And Jesus is like, nothing. You can't do anything about it. Right. He said, just love and, and that you create sort of, you know, enter the kingdom of God, all these good things. You know, use the good oils. He said, use the good oils on my feet and hair because... All of this will pass away. And, and it right? Will. And the best yeah. thing we probably can do for those coming after is just love. Love ourselves, love them. And then our turn our turn ends and others' turns begin. And then maybe our turn returns.
1: The eternal return.
0: Apparently, I didn't realize this, but stats from like uh, 20 years ago showed that like 20 to 35% of Roman Catholics in the States believe in reincarnation.
1: They do there always has been a high incidence of this belief among catholics everywhere where these polls were conducted my parents were catholic and they believed in reincarnation
0: yeah i never met any catholics that believe in reincarnation so i was very surprised to read that recently um and you think that it with it, with that being the case that the church might you know do something with that you know they might say something they might but i guess they don't they don't want to encourage people to uh, focus on the wrong things, whatever that is. Focus on the uh, the next life, which I think is good. I think it's not good to focus on the next terrestrial life, you know, if 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 there is one, um, and not to get lost in, in the ones that you think were the past.
1: There, there is a certain logic to it. I, I get it. Not everybody should be studying their past lives, but a lot of people look there for answers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can certainly respect the the spiritual process and uh, the therapeutic value of some of some of that sort of stuff, for sure. Um, I, Daniel Rekshan, who I've talked to, does interesting framing work and dream work with that that kind of stuff, and he he looks at it though not as veritable knowledge. He doesn't look at the past life work. It seems as like this is a historical fact, you were this person. It's more of a, I don't know the language he uses, especially as a dream. Yeah, he
1: analyzes it such as you would work with, you know, archetypes with tarot or interpreting dreams.
0: Right. Right. The idea of, you know, reincarnation in in sort of, in principle powers, like people, and also like people reflecting certain principles within your life. Is, uh, is something I can I can very I can very empathetic to that like seeing people fulfill different archetypal roles in in your world. I mean that's sort of psychology that's Jungian psychology one oh one, right?
1: Sure, sure. And and it's true though, like it's true because we do embody the same characters over and over, you know. We visit the same places, we in you know, we engage with the same people. So we are essentially embodying archetypes. It's never just about that one story. It's about choices that you repeat over and over, and then it becomes a pattern, and then these patterns form who you are. You know, you're a teacher. You have been a teacher many times before. I,
0: I like to think that this is my like, only life.
1: <laughs> i can already t- okay well if you ever want a past life clairvoyant reading
0: i mean I you can gotta, do that for you like i was raised on that stuff like like fundamentalists are raised on 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 you know speaking in tongues and or or charismatic worship like that was that was a thing it, like to go to another psychic to learn about all the different people you were and what might happen in the future? It was not. It was. It was. It was. It was bit, that was my common life experience. Growing up, that was what my mom was into. So, and I didn't find uh, any of those insights to ever, I uh, be helpful. Contrary, I found them well, to. You know, we have to rebel against our parents
1: and what mm-hmm. they believed in. So, of course, if your mother was into spiritualism or New Age, you're going to either become a communist or an atheist. Or a born-again Christian.
0: And I didn't become we any of We different
1: trajectories. I, I had a guest on my show, The Devil's Disciples, whose mother was a madrina in Santeria. And he was just like so tired as a teenager of all these worship rituals, all these altars, all these ceremonies that he said, fuck ceremonies, you know, fuck traditions. I'm just going to be a chaos magician or, or something else. So we all get these trajectories where we start out in life and then we have to rebel against it and find our way you know against the flow and uh but i have gotten to appreciate a lot of it later in life much later
0: it seems risky though telling kids who they were in past lives and telling them what lessons they learned or needed to learn because you they latch onto it and they hyper-focus on it and they, they start letting those things define them. And really these are just, you know, these, these might be psychical impressions of a high order, but they also might be just- I don't
1: have like a moral position on treating with children or, you know, teenagers, because I only deal with adults.
0: No, I just thought it would be, it would be interesting to see what your thoughts are on that as, and tease, tease it out sort of, um, the pros and cons of of
1: I don't of I don't know how I would deal like with you know with the younger ones. Yeah. Um, their psyche is not fully formed yet. So maybe it could be disturbing for them. Um, but my services in my workshops were never sought out in any large numbers by people younger than in their thirties, mostly way older like forties and plus. So
0: yeah, I'm no expert
1: in like how do you raise children i guess that's every parent's choice you know in the end how they choose to indoctrinate them (laughs) right and how successful they become at it obviously your mother failed my parents have failed in some ways succeeded in in others because here i am studying dante's inferno you know 20 years later after i became an apostate from the catholic church so i i am rediscovering the tradition many years later
0: it's very ironic, isn't it?
1: And they believed in reincarnation and I thought for the longest time that it's like old wives' tales and hippie bullshit and just my father's stories that he would use to, you know, impress women. And then I realized many years later that wow, like everything that he was saying is actually true. I just had to come to it from my own discovery. Because I used to think that all of this is like stories that people entertain themselves at parties. You know, because it was like the man hitting on me. Oh, we were practicing sex magic together in the times of the Yellow Emperor. Do you remember? And I'm like, yeah, bro, with you. I'm certain. No, not in the past life. Not in this one. Not in the future.
0: Yes, pick up lines to avoid.
1: Right. That's what I thought of it. For the longest time until I gained the the ability myself and I worked with someone who had it and I thought it was very impressive and I got convinced through my own experimentation that what he's seeing I could verify it for myself and then I was like I want to have this ability like I want to see the past not just mine but other people's and I acquired it and well boy it's become an influence on my life because imagine when that stuff keeps coming up spontaneously, not just when you put yourself in trance or do some procedure ceremony, but like you see those images all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly. Certainly interesting. Well, we can wrap up however you want. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been lovely talking with you again. I really enjoyed this conversation. This is
1: okay. Been, well,
0: this has been um, fun. Do you want to tell uh, people maybe just about your website and the work you're doing and what, yeah, the, what yeah. the what the vision oh, is behind sure, it? Sure. No, me.
1: I would like to say something about my work.
0: Yeah, let's do. I'm very interested. The, the new website looks amazing. Thank you. Beautifully done. And that's anima-noara at art. Yes, doing? Yeah. It'll and it, and it's, got,
1: um, it's got a lot of written materials, all of my essays, short stories, poems yeah. um, related to the occult, but also you know of a different kind because I am a writer, apart from being an occultist. Um, I do use it to post extras for my show that I was disciples there because not everything is publishable on social media these days. I got recently flagged for hate speech so if you want to listen to some black magician's hate speech, that's also to be found on my website as is modeling portfolio. That's also unpublishable in some cases, like the rendering of the Witch's Sabbath um, that I did. I like to recreate like scenes from the past or my fantasy, my imagination in my photo shoots. And I also have made my spiritual services, my skills available for the public as a part of my ministry. So it's all out there. It went live on Walpurgisnacht this year, brand new. And you know, you're welcome to hit me up, comment or follow me across the social media. I'm pretty present there like daily, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, And of course the live streamed show on youtube
0: yeah yeah great work you've been uh doing in your field and uh it's been interesting to to see it uh develop so you 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 do cover a lot of interesting topics on your podcast uh, that people should uh, check out especially interested in black magic the packs the packs is an interesting thing to me because it's it's done packs are a thing with white and black magicians, with all magicians any kind of time we work with spirits there's some sort of pact occurring whether it's explicit or ad hoc and you know and so that's always an interesting thing because waste one thing we have in common is dealing with spirits and that's something that 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 even people like rudolf steiner or valentin tomberg considered the most essential thing is how to communicate with spirits which is why i find it very ironic that rudolf steiner rejected evocational magic, Goetia, and the long history of human technology that is explicitly designed to communicate with spirits. You know, it's funny, right? He's like, the most important thing is communicating with spirits. And I reject all human methods of doing so. <laughs> now, now listen to my clairvoyant insights on it. Like that was sort of the irony of Steiner and these anthroposoph- anthroposophist take on on that stuff. And it's, it's uh, a shame because how we interact with these spiritual creatures is one of the most interesting things in the world to me. And, and yeah, we, 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 we both, we all do it. We all do it, whether we define it the same way or not. So yeah, it's been great. Let's getting keep to, doing it. Let's keep doing it. And uh I wish you all the best on your path and, and your journey and, 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 and best of luck with, especially, yeah, the situation of finding a, some sort of stability in the country you're in. I know we all, we all want that these days, so I really hope that that comes together. I know it will. You're, you're a magician. You can, you can tweak things, fix it in place.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I shall.
0: All right. Thanks for being here, and thanks for listening, everybody. Peace.
1: Diving deep into the practices and reality tunnels of the esoteric and the occult check out praxis behind the obscure podcast where i interview practicing occultists do book reviews and much more check us out on youtube red circle and many other podcast platforms